0: The Mark Stein Show.
1: And now, here's Mark. January 12th, 2021. On this day 50 years ago, six of the Harrisburg Seven a group of Catholic priests and nuns, plus one Pakistani intellectual, were indicted for conspiring to kidnap Henry Kissinger and blow up the heating vents of federal buildings in Washington. That was 1971. On this day in 475, the Byzantine Emperor Zeno was forced to flee his capital of Constantinople with his empress after his mother-in-law arranged a coup by her lover Patricius uh, and her brother Basiliscus. Emperor Zeno had lost the support of the Byzantine Senate because, being an Isaurian, he was regarded as a barbarian. Hmm. As some of you will know from our Saturday movie date and Monday's Mark Stein show, on Saturday our beloved friend and colleague, Kathy Shadel died. I last saw Kathy at her home a couple of weeks before Christmas. Her body was very sick but her brain was on sparkling form and we were talking about the glory days of the internet, the big sprawling decentralized blogosphere of the early years of the century before the woke cartel of Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wrecked it all and imposed this bloody boring totalitarian groupthink uh, and destroyed the whole thing. Uh, Cathy was a big force in that wild iconoclastic age of just a decade or so back, and she said to me rather sadly that it won't even be remembered. It will be written out of history. Media chronicles of our time will just record that in the late 1990s, print newspapers declined and then were replaced by social media. One gatekeeper smoothly yielding to another more efficient gatekeeper. Kate Macmillan is one of the surviving glories of that early 21st century internet. She runs Small Dead Animals, Uh, which I still check in on every morning and Kate wrote the other day quote, face it folks, it's time to rebuild the independent conservative blogosphere I agree with her Uh, I don't know whether we can do it, when we started this show in the first week of that fortnight to flatten the curve almost a year ago I got complaints about why we aren't on Apple podcasts or whatever it is I, I don't even know what it is Uh, I don't go there. But I mock those complaints from people with butch Twitter handles like Eagle Patriot, Minuteman, throwing another couple of Eagles 47, guys ready to pledge their life, their fortune and their sacred honour, but for God's sake, don't ask me to make another couple of clicks. I ain't doing that. I'd be interested to know what revolution has ever succeeded on that level of commitment. Convenient revolutionaries. As I said a while back, I ceased a year ago creating content on YouTube. I have never created content on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, We simply use those Mark Stein accounts for promotional announcements. Uh, On today's Mark Stein Show, Mark talks to Peter Noon of Herman's Hermits about there's a kind of hush all over the world tonight. That's all we do on social media. And even then we get marked as sensitive content. Um, there's a kind of hush is actually quite sensitive, so indeed is uh, try a little tenderness. Uh, but I don't think that that's what fascist Jack the Weird Beard means, is it? In the last week, we've heard about all the big shots getting lifetime bans from Twitter, from the president to General Flynn, but all kinds of non-famous people are also getting vaporised, to use George Orwell's term from our current tale for our time. 1984, which airs nightly at this website. Um, but uh, as I said, a lot, of, a lot of peripheral people are now getting vaporized. My number of uh, followers is down in the last week over 30,000 uh, because they've been booted, presumably, or perhaps just uh, involuntarily unfollowed me, as a couple of them have complained. For the last few months, I've had a zillion tweets saying, why aren't you on Parler, Stein, you gutless pansy sellout? Well, I know a couple of the founders of Parler, Rebecca Mercer, who's bankrolling it, and Dan Bongino, who's a big shareholder, and I like both of them, and good luck to them. We looked into the terms and conditions, and they struck me, having some experience, in more experience than I'd want in American civil litigation, as rather onerous. Uh, you have to upload your driver's license to parlour, for example. I recently was deposed in a legal matter by Zoom, and the court stenographer wanted me to hold up my driver's license and social security card to the camera so they could photograph them, so they could allegedly verify that I'm who I say I am. And you wonder why America has the worst identity theft in the Western world. So I told them to take a hike. I'm the defendant in this bloody stupid case, now on its fourth fourth trial judge. They wanted to depose me, so if they don't think I'm the real Mark Stein, I'm happy to piss off and have a long lunch. That's how I am in a court under oath. So why would I be uploading my driver's license to the internet uh, for the privilege of making a tart crack about Chris Cuomo? But everyone else seemed to like Parla. And last week, after threatening to quit Twitter and Facebook for months, Mark Levin reacted to the lifetime ban of the president by saying, OK, I'm done. I'm off Twitter, off Facebook. Come and join me on Parler. And uh, 48 hours later, Parler was gone because it turns out that after marketing itself as a form of escape from the woke billionaires... It's dependent, utterly dependent, on Apple, Google Play and Amazon's uh, servers. Uh, For example, all those driver's licenses and other info that you gave to Parler are now in the database of Jeff Bezos at Amazon. Uh, So instead of having to delete Mark Levin and co. one by one, the woke cartel just persuaded them all to move to Parler and then deleted them on mass so the great escape from the woke starbo turns out to be just like the great escape the movie uh, if you recall the finale when they're all herded into a clearing for a smoke and a convivial chat all the uh, brits and americans and then they're all machine-gunned on mass the parlor ceo says everyone's bailed on him Not just Amazon and Apple, but the guys who run his text messaging system and even his lawyers, they've all fled. They won't do business with him. If he went to a hospital to get his appendix taken out, is he entirely confident his Blue Cross Blue Shield card will work? Um, By the way, uh, some of those people who attended that rally attended the rally, not uh, smashed any windows or bust into the crappy old citadel. Uh, Some of the people who just flew to Washington to go to the rally have uh, been put on the no-fly list for life by various US airlines. The justification for all this is that the attack on the so-called citadel of democracy, the citadel of crap, as I called it the other day, (laughs) which wound up getting quoted by the Washington Times and uh, various places. But it is a citadel of crap. There's no denying that. It's the worst bloody legislature. I'm not just talking about the Western world, uh, but large parts of the developed world don't have a citadel of crap as crap as that U.S. Congress. Anyway, uh, the justification for all this is the attack on the so-called citadel of democracy, the citadel of crap, was incited on Parler. There's not a jot of evidence for that. And if you want to check for yourself, you can't, because Parler's been uh, evaporated, obliterated, gone. There is a lot of evidence that much of the planning for the so-called storming of the Capitol was done on Facebook, as a lot of uh, jihadist attacks and less ideological murders are live-streamed on Facebook. But Zuckerberg doesn't have to worry about anyone switching him off, does he? Now Parler says it's going to be back in a day or two, and maybe it will. But, you know, I don't want to mimic the left's modes of discourse. As a general principle, communicating in 140 characters or whatever it is, unless you're brilliant at it, and 99.99% of Twitter users aren't, makes the world more stupid, as the age of social media has made us more stupid uh, compared to the previous decade when the likes of Cathy flourished. Furthermore, as the pile of vaporisation demonstrates, as Dennis Prager's fruitless suit against Google YouTube to stop them demonetizing his videos demonstrates, you're trying to persuade people who hate you to like you, or at any rate to pretend to like you, or, OK, pretend to hate you just a little bit less than they actually do. I appreciate that Dennis Prager has hired a totally crap lawyer, Eric M. George, who on behalf of CRTV sued me for 35 million bucks and uh, and and uh, lost every single lousy claim he brought. And I appreciate that in America there are people... Uh, not least uh, its, uh, its attorney class, who think that everything can be litigated. They used to teach in law school. I don't know whether they still do, but they used to teach in law school, even in American law schools. The famous English case of 1852, Lumley versus uh, Wagner, in which an impresario sued his opera singer, a lovely mezzo-soprano, Johanna Wagner, Uh, niece of the composer. And the Lord Chancellor, Lord St. Leonard's, pointed out the limits of law, that you can compel a mezzo-soprano to sing if she doesn't want to, but it's unlikely to go well for the audience. Go on, try it if you're an uh, opera producer. Uh, Get someone who doesn't want to sing the Mad Scene from Lucia de Lammermoor to sing it and see how that goes. And that's the remedy that Dennis Prager and others are seeking. They're trying to find a judge who'll order the weird beard and Zuckerberg and Bezos and Tim Cook to like conservatives or to pretend to like conservatives. When, in fact, these guys are perfectly upfront about how much they hate you. A year or so back, I appeared on a show hosted by my friends, Ann McElhinney and Phelan McAleer, the Ann and Phelan Scoop. Really enjoyed it. Fun show. Yesterday, the Anne and Phelan Scoop's Twitter account was suspended for no good reason. They went back and forth, and after a period in Twitter jail, uh, they were released. Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy, does videos on YouTube. Uh, they've just yanked one of the his videos, uh, no different from any of its predecessors. But then logic is not the point of tyranny. The point of tyranny is to be arbitrary so that you never know. Uh, Ron Paul knows all that. He's one of the clearest articulators of those kinds of things. And he's just been locked out. I forget whether it's Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is. He's just been locked out. And he's surprised by it. I don't know whether he I don't know why he should be surprised by it. Facebook is retroactively vacuuming. Anything on its platform that contains the phrase, stop the steal. So a couple of months back, you might have uh, written, uh, oh, I see Corrie Lewandowski's at a stop the steal rally. I don't know about that slogan. It's a bit too blunt for me, a bit too strong meat. But you get vaporised along with everybody else, and then you have to plead with Zuckerberg to let you back in. And very quickly, almost subconsciously, you're walking on eggshells, tiptoeing around lest this or that, adjective or phrase is verboten and you'll be banned and you have to talk your way back in. To be uh, perfectly honest here, which is really the only reason I do this at all, I hate platforms. If I ever run for office, my platform will be that I'm opposed to platforms. We should all fit our content into the one-size-fits-all model of Twitter. Why? And why is mimicking the form of Twitter at parlor the answer to that? I get yelled at for not having an app, because apps are convenient. And convenience has really worked out well for the American right, hasn't it? Whoop-de-doo with your convenience. Being an app hole makes everything you like dependent on the tolerance of Apple, who not only despise you, but get all their friends, PayPal, MasterCard, American Airlines, the school board of, of the school you teach in, to despise you too. You've just lost your country, you're losing all the core liberties, freedom of speech, freedom movement, freedom of association, and you still can't be bothered making an extra click. That's some counter-revolution you got going there. As you'll know if you watched yesterday's show, Kathy Shadle was so right about all this so many years ago when she called for us uh, to actually build our own Internet infrastructure at a time when we could have done it, sort of around 2007. Um, I will make another general observation that America is ground zero for the crazy right now, for the hardcore crazy. So maybe any alternative to these sick control freaks is going to be based somewhere on the other side of the planet. I see Mootie Merkel and dinky boy Macron and that Mexican guy Obrador have all expressed misgivings about the removal of Trump from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify... So he can't even dance around to YMCA in his last week. Pinterest. So he can't even share the pattern for a stop-the-steel quilt with attractive squares for Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan and the other crap holes of election integrity. Good for Frau Merkel and Monsieur Macron and uh, Senor Obrador, uh, who sound way butcher, in case you haven't noticed, than 90% of Republican senators. In response to the coordinated action against Trump and his supporters, the French finance minister, you know, the one of those, uh, what's, what's uh, Jonah Goldberg's uh, thing? Oh, the cheese-eating surrender monkey. The cheese-eating surrender monkey who serves as the French m- finance minister responded to the vaporising of Trump by calling, quote, the digital oligarchy a threat to democracy. So I'll reiterate a point I made a while back. Right now, the Western world gets less West the further West you go. So if we take what used to be called Christendom, if you're way East in the former Warsaw Pact countries, they think for the most part like conventional nation states in defence of their own culture and mores. Then you move West to the Western half of the continent, and they're prone to a lot of the diversity blather and multi drivel, but only so far. As that dinky boy Macron said, and I quoted him back in the summer, we are not taking down a single statue or changing a single street name. Forget about it. And with that, the problem went away. He's not Mitch McConnell or Rich Lowry anxious to negotiate with a mob about what monikers you can put on an army base or a grade school. And then you move further west from the continent to the old British lion and its lion cubs. And the UK, Australia, Canada are like America, but two, three, five years behind. Many are importing the American racial paradigm, even though it's nothing very much to do with their own histories. But they're a bit hicky and provincial and not quite on the cutting edge of this stuff. So, as I said, they're, you know, two, three, five years behind on it. Then you get to America and the extreme sports version of the societal suicide cult. Celebrate diversity or else. And by diversity we mean utter lockstep uniformity. I hope to be here on the internet in a year's time, but the land of the First Amendment is now more openly hostile to any kind of culture of free speech than Denmark, Slovenia, bulgaria They are building post-America very quickly. And we had better start thinking about building the alternative to that right now. What better way to escape from a world of censorship, surveillance and big government than by delving into a novel about... Well, censorship, surveillance, and big government. Mark Stein's latest tale is as timely as ever. Tune into Stein Online nightly as Mark reads George Orwell's dystopic 1984. Tales for Our Time are available exclusively to members of the Mark Stein Club. Listen to the latest tale and all the previous ones by going to www.steinonline.com. The Mark Stein Club presents The Hundred Years Ago Show. A great voice is stilled in Boston, trooping the colour in New York and oils well in Arkansas. It's January
0: 1921. A hundred years from today
1: For World News Update, the messy aftermath of the Great War continues. The French government has lost a vote of confidence in the National Assembly, overwhelmingly by 463 to 125, because of its failure to enforce war reparations from Germany in compliance with the Treaty of Versailles. The United States ambassador to France, Hugh Wallace, has formally informed America's fellow victors of the recent world war that it will withdraw from the Allied Council and no longer participate. Shall we meet again? Well, if you're American, it won't be at the League of Nations. Brazil's ambassador to France, Dr. Miguel Gastão da Cunha, has been named president of the new eight-member council of the League. There are four permanent members of the council, Great Britain, France, Italy, and Japan, and four non-permanent members, elected by the League Assembly every three years. The first, quartet of the non-permanent are Belgium, Brazil, Greece and Spain. In elections for the French Senate, the Radical Party and the Radical Socialist Party have together received a plurality of 43 seats, followed by the Republicans with 39. Former President Paul Deschanel is among the new senators. In British India, the first of the new councils giving Indians a limited advisory role in government, has been inaugurated at Madras by His Royal Highness the Duke of Connaught, former Governor-General of Canada, and the uncle of the King Emperor. For 30 years in the late 18th century, the Royal American Regiment was the only British Army regiment to be recruited from His Majesty's subjects in the American colonies. That ended with independence, but the regimental colours have now returned to the land from which its soldiers were drawn. In a service on Governor's Island in New York, the British ambassador to the United States, Sir Auckland Geddes, presented the colours to the Reverend Dr William Manning. They will hang in the chapel of St Cornelius the Centurion. In this 20th century, there has been no more influential voice in English song than Gervais Henry Carey Elwes. Mr. Elwes. Uh, was not only the foremost interpreter of Elgar, Vaughan Williams, Roger Quilter, but of Brahms and other European art song composers. He had been in the United States on an acclaimed sellout concert tour that had reached the city of Boston. At Back Bay Station, he and his wife, Lady Winifred, had descended from the train. When according to reports, Mr. Elwers attempted to return to the conductor an overcoat uh, which had fallen from the car. The train had already commenced moving. The great tenor leaned too far forward and was struck in full view of Lady Winifred. Mr. Elwers succumbed to his injuries in hospital a few hours later.
0: In valleys of my own and team and clan. The country for easy levels, the and under the sun. We still have sorrows to lighten. One could not
1: And at the peak of his powers, Gervais Elwes.
0: By bridges that tend to run thunder in London, the town built here is sure no matter for wonder if sorrow is with one's head. And if the lad grows older, the trouble he bears.
1: Also in the United States, the Senate has certified the votes of the Electoral College and the outgoing Vice President, Thomas Marshall, has formally announced the election of Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge as President and Vice President. The Commerce Secretary of the new administration will be Mr. Herbert Hoover. Aside from that distinction, Mr. Hoover is also the first man in America to have a public speech to a real audience broadcast live on the radio. The incoming Cabinet Secretary was giving his address in the Duquesne Club in Pittsburgh. And as he spoke, it was relayed by telephone to radio station KDKA about Ten miles away, and thence to listeners as far as a thousand miles away. Mr. Hoover's speech was on the subject of humanitarian aid to Europe.
0: I've got ten little
1: Speaking of the Department of Commerce, it has far more sophisticated methods of tabulating data than ten little fingers and ten little toes, but they're not necessarily any more permanent. A fire at the Commerce Department's offices has destroyed government records from various decennial census surveys by the federal government. It did not apparently destroy any records of the 1920 census. Do you like that black gold? Well, petroleum production has come to Arkansas with the completion of the Busey Well Number 1. In Japan, the Mitsubishi Shipbuilding Company has spun off part of its business into a separate corporation to be known as Mitsubishi Electric. Also in Japan, Baron Goro has died. He was chief of the Imperial Japanese Navy during the recent World War, and raised to the rank of Marshal Admiral, even though he had never commanded a ship. Baron Goro was 68. Also dead is Rafael Antonio Gutierrez, former head of state of the United States of Central America. You're not familiar with the United States of Central America? Well, it was a short-lived union of El Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua, In his more prosaic capacity as president of El Salvador, Senor Gutierrez was toppled in a coup on November 13th, 1898, and his unified Central American Republic fell apart just two weeks later. And that's the way of the world, January
0: 1921. A hundred years from...
1: what this music means. Mark's mailbox is on the air. Matthew McWilliams, a first-hour founding member of the Mark Stein Club from Florida. First-hour founding member. I'm not sure uh, status-wise we beat that, except maybe a first-minute... We'll have to track that down, first-minute founding members. Matthew writes, your point about Taiwan is well taken. Uh, This is from a couple of days ago when I was suggesting that the Chinese Communist Party will want to do something special for their 100th birthday in June and that taking Taiwan is the kind of uh, special birthday present Uh, They're interested in giving to themselves. Uh, Matthew says, uh, your point about Taiwan is well taken. It is unlikely that the Chinese will feel constrained by the Biden administration. Moving in 2021 will also provide the Biden administration and the media a chance to build a plausible by contemporary media standards, it's all Trump's fault narrative and excuse American inaction on that basis. On a longer term basis, though, would this not signal the beginning of the overextension of the Chinese empire? History shows that empires always eventually overextend. The reason the US hegemony has had such staying power has been that it was largely benign. America did not seek to expand by conquest, assertions to the contrary notwithstanding. I have no similar expectation of the Chinese. They will be heavy-handed. At the same time, they are ill-equipped in terms of resources to maintain extensive empire. And even if America does not react, there are those that will, e.g. India." Whatever happens in 2021, I expect the post-American period to get very ugly very quickly. But in the end, the Chinese will not fare well. That's an interesting thesis, uh, Matthew. Although I'm not sure the the reincorporation of Formosa uh, can count as imperial uh, overstretch, and certainly they don't see it that way in Beijing. Um, When you say, quote, the U.S. hegemony has had such staying power, that you mean, by that you mean since the end of the Second World War. So that's 75 years, which would not strike the Chinese as a long time. They take a seriously long view while we live in an ever more lunatic, hyper-present tense. And secondly, on the matter of Chinese heavy-handedness versus the American Imperium being, quote, largely benign, To be honest, I'm not sure about that either. Take that hideous COVID relief bill with its bazillions of dollars for gender rights promotion overseas. Uh, What I mocked on Fox the other night as Lindsey Graham bragging about uh, the Take Your Child Bride to Work Day pilot programme in Who Gives a stand? Now this, this is a scientific study. I did it 20 minutes before the show. You can take these numbers to the bank. There are precisely seven people in Pakistan interested in gender rights promotion programs. And of those seven Pakistanis, four uh, don't want the Yankee imperialists running it. So Lindsey Graham is out of his gourd on this stuff. Now, by contrast, the Chinese communists come in and on the trading routes of Britain's old Indian Ocean territories, uh, they build new ports. In Africa, they build roads. In post-Saddam Iraq, remember that? No war for oil. Uh, Americans took on the war. The Chinese got the oil. They're the biggest investors. Um, So what do you prefer? An imperialist who builds ports and roads and state-of-the-art oil fields or an imperialist who builds a gender studies program? To use your phrase heavy-handed... What's more heavy-handed, presuming to mediate relations between the sexes in Pakistan uh, or putting in an auto route? So I'm not so sure that in the ramshackle capitals of, say, West Africa, they view the distinction quite as you do. Nevertheless, I agree with you that in the end, China will not, in Matthew's words, farewell. And I've taken that view for almost the entire century but it's precisely because of china's underlying weakness that it's a far more unpredictable and dangerous foe if china weren't so weak it wouldn't be so touchy look at the way the mildest criticism from australia drives it to punitive apoplexy i get a bit tired of saying the same thing i said 5 10 15 years ago with different adjectives and adverbs here and there so i'll just give you this passage from after America a decade ago straight. I know, I know, self-quoting is unseemly, but here I go. China is dangerous, not as many argue because of its strength, but because of its weakness. As I wrote in America Alone, the People's Republic has a crude structural flaw. Thanks to its disastrous one-child policy, it will get old before it gets rich, And unless it's planning on becoming the first gay superpower since Sparta, the millions of surplus young men whom the government's one-child policy has deprived of female companionship is a recipe either for wrenching social convulsions at home or for war abroad, the traditional surplus inventory clearance method of great powers. That's actually worse news than if China was cruising to uncontested global hegemony because it means that Beijing's calculations on how the Sino-American relationship evolves are even less likely to align with ours. China has to maximise its power before demographic decay sets in. In other words, it has strong incentives to be bold and to push hard and fast, And when it happens, Washington will be taken by surprise by something that was entirely inevitable. Unquote. That's me a decade ago. Mark Stein's
0: Last Call.
1: Jerry Marsden died a few days ago at the age of 78. He fronted the second most successful pop group from Liverpool on the United States Billboard Hot 100. The most successful pop group from Liverpool in the United States were the Beatles. So, Jerry and the Pacemakers came a fairly distant second and not for very long. Uh, Jerry, as I recall him, seemed to get old quite quick. Uh, The standard line on Jerry and the pacemakers was a Clive James crack from the 80s. These days, Jerry needs a pacemaker. Uh, Well, uh, Jerry had the last laugh there because he outlived Clive. I ran into him every so often in later life at radio shows on which Jerry would be promoting uh, yet another special charity fundraising remake of a very particular hit of his from the beginning of his career. Back in 1963, he gave Bill Shankly, the legendary manager of Liverpool Football Club, an advance copy of this record, and Bill loved it, telling the old Mersey beat rocker, ''Jerry, my son, I have given you a football team and you have given us a song.'' Within weeks, it was being bayed by thousands of fans on the terraces every Saturday. Uh, Soon it was on the club's coat of arms and eventually on the gates to the stadium. And then it spread to other stadia. In 1990, at the All-Star Anti-Apartheid Gala at Wembley Stadium, the crowd broke into... Uh, it's a memorable ambulatory refrain as Nelson Mandela walked upon the stage. And Mr Mandela, having been released from prison only a few weeks ago, was not quite up to speed on socio-cultural phenomena of the previous three decades. And so he asked Adelaide Tambo, standing next to him, what the tune was. Ah, some football song, said Mrs Tambo. <laughs> In fact, the football song started out as a Rogers and Hammerstein show tune from their most serious and sombre production, Carousel. Now, Richard Rogers liked his compositions sung just how they're sung on stage in the show, and that's it. So upon hearing that this particular tune was now, quote, some football song roared out every Saturday afternoon by bazillions of footy fans... His first reaction was one of utter horror. His second reaction was to call his lawyer and see if there was any way to have it stopped. And there wasn't. And then something weird happened. The 80s were a pretty terrible time for English football, with awful once-in-a-lifetime catastrophes becoming almost routine. And Jerry Marsden effected a further transformation in Richard Rogers' show tune having become a song for football matches it then became a song for football match disasters and then a song for disasters in general the go-to number for defiance in the face of adversity uh, perhaps you're feeling that uh, you could use a little of that right now OK, sing it, Jerry. When you walk. Through a storm
0: Hold your head up high And don't be afraid of the dark At the end of a storm there's a golden sky And the sweet silver sound of love Walk on
1: lyrics by Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein II as taken to the hit parade by Jerry and the Pacemakers Walk on, walk on Jerry Marsden That will do it for today's show Wednesday is one of those days I'll be in for Rush on America's number one radio show for three hours starting at midday North American Eastern Time. Shortly after that, Laura's Lynx We'll round up the internet for you right here at Stein Online. And shortly after that, I'll be back with episode four of George Orwell's 1984. And ever so shortly after that, I'll be with Tucker on the telly coast to coast. Hope you'll want to check out one or two or better yet, all four of those. Stay safe, stay free. Join us next time for another edition
0: of The Mark Stein Show. The Mark Stein Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. reserved.